place for me and his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me and his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. 
So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemy... participate in uh, the work of God. Father, we just give you thanks and praise this morning for your goodness and your grace. We bless your holy name. Lord, we're excited about you and about your kingdom and about doing your will. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for your goodness, which has been poured out on all of us, Lord. We thank you that you loved us so much. You sent us Jesus and gave us your Holy Spirit. And therefore, we exalt you in all things and give you the high praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together this morning. We serve a good God. Amen. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. From every nation and time, from generation to generation, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, 
worship you in this place. Come on, let's worship. Oh, you are so great, Lord. You're so lovely and so wonderful in this place. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. in this place. We worship you in this place. The splendor of your greatness, the majesty of your kingship, the glory and honor that emanates from you. something in your life today. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we worship you. Your goodness leads me to repentance. Your goodness draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to be
do that right now. Just keep playing the instruments. Let's worship God. This is your chance to sing a song to Him. A song from your heart. Has He been good to you this week? Has He been good to you today? Oh, we come and we say of your goodness, oh God. We come and we speak of your glory. We come and we say of who you are. You are great. You are mighty. You are strong and holy. Oh, we worship you in this place. this place. We worship you in this place. Worthy are you, Lord. Hallelujah. Worthy are you, Lord. How many has benefited of the goodness of God? Our God's a good God. Everything he does is good. He has good things in store for you. Good plans for you. Good benefits. Good relationships. Good finances. Hallelujah. We serve a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from Him, from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variance or shadow of turning. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, get excited about the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we celebrate your goodness. We have faith in your goodness. And we know that you are good to us, Lord. And you even speak to us. And so we just turn our hearts to you right now. given two sets of ears. One set is your natural ears where you hear sounds of this world. But the second set is your spiritual ears where you can hear my voice and you can know my ways. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what my spirit is saying, 
Oh, my spirit is speaking to you. Tune into his frequency. Tune into his voice. For he will help you. He will strengthen you. And he will give you wisdom that you need for this life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Today is Communion Sunday. We like to celebrate communion the second Sunday of every month. And if you haven't already, you can grab, and grab the elements on the back table there. And uh, you can get them ready and prepared. Hallelujah. And uh, just want to share a little bit about the cross of Christ. How many know the cross changed the, 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 our destiny? Amen. And in John chapter 3, verse 14, John 3, 14, the Bible says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amplified says on the cross. So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. How many believe in him? Amen. And it was at that cross where he made our payment for our sin. And he goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes and trusts in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want you to perish. And then in John chapter 12, John 12, verse 3, Jesus said, now the judgment upon this world is being passed. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. Aren't you glad he's going to be cast out? His lease is running out. And, And he said, verse 32, and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. How many have been drawn since Jesus has been lifted up? Amen. He said this to indicate the kind of death that he was to die. And in Romans 6, 5, I love my amen corner over there. (laughs) Romans 6, 5. For if we have become one with him in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him. Say, bye-bye, old nature. It was nailed to the cross. Hallelujah. And, uh, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Glory to God. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The cross made us free from sin. As long as you believe in it. Hallelujah. And then Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Christ purchased our freedom. 
and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For cursed, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And the cross was a tree. Right? And... Uh, in order that Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus, you got to be in Christ Jesus. How do you be in him? You accept him as Lord. That in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might also come on to the Gentiles, that's us, so that we would all receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Amen? The cross is God's purchasing power. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where he paid the debts that he did not owe. We owed it, but we couldn't pay it. Amen? Thank God that he paid it. The cross of Christ is God's purchasing power. Amen. Glory to God. And it breaks curses and frees us from sin. That's yes. powerful. Yes. Then in Galatians 6.14, it says, But far be it from me to boast... In anything or anyone except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The difference between you and the world is, the, is how you view the cross. Amen? That's the difference maker. Glory to God. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now, oh, get excited about that word, but now, right now. At this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who were once so very far from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Oh, glory to God. God made a way through his blood that was shed on the cross for us to come to God. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He made both groups. Jews and Gentiles into one body. I'm an adopted Jew. I work for a rich Jew. His retirement plan is out of this world. His health plan is by his stripes policy. Amen. Glory to God. And he broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments contained in ordinances, so that he himself might make two into one new man. Say, I'm a new man. Hallelujah, you speaking of mankind, right? Glory to God. And uh, thereby establishing peace, and he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, into one body to God through the cross, putting to death the hostility. I'm telling you, the world needs the cross. Yes. Amen? Yes. Cross puts the lid on hostility. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he did this so that we're no longer strangers or aliens, but we have citizenship. We are fellow citizens with the saints and, the mem and we're members of God's household. Praise the Lord. This is what happened at the cross. The cross was where Jesus died. He knew when he came to this earth that he was going to die and give his life as a ransom for many. 
He knew that he was going to have to be hung on a cross and to be crucified. And he did it with joy. What was the joy of the cross? It was seeing you and me coming into the family, coming into the knowledge of the truth, accepting Jesus as Lord. That's what motivated Jesus to endure the pain, endure the suffering. That's what motivated Jesus. He knew that God's family was going to increase and is still increasing today. So let's get our elements ready. The cross, see the communion is a picture of the cross. It's, it's where his body was broken and his blood was shed for you and I. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 22. Mark 14, verse 22, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body, let us eat. And when he had taken the cup and he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, my blood, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink to our forgiveness. Heavenly Father. We are so grateful and thankful for what you did on the cross through Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe in the cross and we thank you for the resurrection that came after it, Lord. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for wiping our sins away and delivering us from the slavery of sin. You've made us free indeed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. morning. It's good to see each one of you here today. God bless you. I have three announcements. Tuesday is Air Force at six o'clock. And (laughs) Wednesday night refreshing at 630. And then save the date September 5th. Yes, I said September. September 5th, we're having guest speaker Andrew Taylor. Is he coming with his wife? Do you know? Yes. Okay, so his wife Ann will also be with him. So Andrew and Ann Taylor will be with us again on September 5th. That's Sunday. So invite your friends and family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Let them know that they will be here ministering the word of God to us. Hallelujah. You know, you want to hear Andrew because he lives in a different country every quarter of the year. Fiji, Indonesia, India, and Australia. And uh, he's and in, in the U.S. And in the U.S. Oh, yeah, yeah. the U.S. <laughs> he's normally here in the summer, but because of uh, travel things, uh, they're here. And so we wanted to have him, but make plans to hear him. It'd be, it'd be great. All right, you know what we like to do here at VCF? We love to speak the word. Amen. So I want to invite us all to speak our confession about uh, God's uh, 
fire. Yes. Our, Our God, God is, is a consuming, consuming fire. fire. He, he upholds his word and we worship him alone. The fire of God is his glory that is holy and pure. We respect, honor, and reverence his holy fire. God's fire set our hearts ablaze with a love that glows, a faith that ignites, and a devotion that consumes. We hate sin with a fierceness that burns, and we rejoice in God with radiating joy. The fire of the Lord will guide us through darkness and cause us to triumph over our enemies. God comes with fire to comfort, encourage, and empower us, and to execute judgment on our foes. There is a fire that has been ignited within. It burns in our hearts and our bones. We are his flames of fire. We will not let his holy flame go out, but we will keep our lamps full of oil to burn bright for him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their, their benefits. benefits. Amen. Amen. I'd like to thank everyone who took part in uh, the last couple of weeks in the services to um, do what I would normally do, <laughs> do what Pastor Doug would normally do to keep our services going. Amen. Amen. Did you guys enjoy our guest speakers, even Mr. Nelson? He wasn't a guest speaker, but you know. <laughs> I heard you did a great job, and we got to listen to uh, some of it. I don't know if you listened to the whole yes. thing yet. I haven't yet, not, not but <laughs> we were an hour behind, so we were able to join the service before we went to our services. And so I just want to say thank you for, um, for everything you do, and we had some food in our refrigerator when we came home. That was extra special. Yes. Because, you know, we had to go shopping and all that stuff, so... We thank God that we got to come home on the airlines that apparently didn't have enough staff. So we got delayed by one day, but that was about it. And we got to spend an extra day with the boys. So thank you guys for coming. Amen. That made Josiah very happy. <laughs> Gabriel and Sean are doing very well. They're set up in their apartment and... Uh, they they had a fully they got all their furniture for what they need for just a little, a little over three hundred dollars, and so God is good, Amen. And uh, right before we dismiss the kids, I just want to encourage you um, in your giving today, Amen. Giving is a good thing. Giving is a God thing, and any time that you give to God. He will always, always multiply it. That's just, what, that's just who he is and what he does. And I just want to read a scripture here as you prepare your gifts. You know, here at VCF, we have many ways for you to give. You can give physically here. We have a container here and a container uh, as you come in there. You can do that anytime during the service. There's envelopes there. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you want to do it through a card, you can go through our bookstore. You could also do it online. Many people take advantage of that. 
And uh, there's always, you could bring it in, mail it in, however you want to do it. Amen? But I want to just read uh, Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 8. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, In what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Everybody say tithes and offerings. Those are two ways to give to God. And um, he said, you are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me this whole nation. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That would be the church. That's where you get fed. Amen. Spiritual food. So that there may be food in my house. Your tithes take care of all the bills, the lights, uh, the insurance, uh, everything about this building. Uh, Your tithes take care of that. Amen. And, uh, and then he says this, test me now in this. This is the only place that God says to prove you, to prove him. And, um, he said, uh, if, if I will, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so great that their rooms will not be able to receive it. I'd heard a story long ago about the retailer J.C. Penney. And uh, apparently he was a believer and uh, some of his employees were struggling with tithing. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you tithe and you never lose, and if you suffer a loss, he said, I will make up that loss personally. And so uh, the employee started to tithe and guess what? He never experienced a loss. Amen. That's how God's kingdom works. So, Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the wonderful, generous people of VCF who invest their money into your kingdom and into your work. And I thank you, Lord, every gift and giver is blessed by you. It's provided and protected by you, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise for your goodness upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we got some awesome kids And we're going to dismiss you to your kids' life class. Kids living in faith every day. So kids, teachers, have a good class. Have a good time in the Lord. Bless the name of Jesus. I love the excitement of kids. And, you know, we're supposed to be childlike, not childish. Right? Hallelujah. So this morning, I want to uh, talk to you from the Word of God about uh, this is going to be the first series I've done in a long time. So I'm going to take a couple Sundays. So you're not going to get all that you need to get this Sunday. So you've got to listen. You've got to come next week. Right? And uh, then in September, we're going to help you, we're going to equip you to be a gospel preacher, to be able to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? We encounter people every day that need to hear the gospel. And it's by the simple proclaiming the good news whereby people get saved. Amen? So I'm going to equip God's people especially people of VCF, on how to do that. But this morning, the Lord laid this on my heart when I was in Oklahoma. And I've been asking 
you know, to make sure that this is the correct direction that he has given me and he hasn't changed his mind. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to begin talking to you about the art and the essence of obedience. The art and the essence of obedience. Did you know that ever since God created this world, he wanted man to obey him? Who's the creator of this world? God, right? So if he created it, he gets to make the rules, right? And we know from the account in the Bible of Genesis, you know, God put man in this beautiful garden, supplied him with everything that he needed, right? He didn't lack anything. It was beautiful. The temperature was perfect. The ground was incredible. And in this atmosphere, you could thrive. And he gave man one instruction, right? Remember that? He said, out of every tree of the garden, you may eat except from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that tree, for when you eat of that tree, what's going to happen? You will die. That's an instruction, right? He expected his man that he created to obey that instruction. Can God lie? So when God says, if you eat this, you're going to die, what's going to happen if you eat it? You're going to die. So, we know that man did not listen to the instruction of God. Right? And we know the consequences of what happened. That's actually where Satan gained access to operate in this world. That one act of disobedience. Caused, you know, Romans 5 tells us, through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. There was no death while Adam was obeying, but the death came with his disobedience. Right? And so I want to encourage you to obey God. Okay? You know, we're going to find out these things in this study. We're going to discover that obedience is better than sacrifice. Did you know, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but you can't worship God with disobedience. You can't disobey God and say, I disobeyed you so that I can obey you. No, it's not going to work. Okay? Obedience honors God, fears God, serves God, respects God, listens to God's voice, and does what he says and wants. Right? And obedience is blessed and favored by God. God favors obedience. God rewards obedience. Amen? He doesn't like disobedience. Obedience could save your life. Yes. How many's ever had an instruction that saved your life? Yes. Don't go there. That that was you know life saving. Don't do that. Life saving. He you know. Amen. Sometimes instructions are there for our safety because yes. we don't know everything. We don't see everything, but God does. 
And when God prevents you from doing something or going somewhere, he's got you, your safety in, your, in his mind. So an obedience will save your life. Obedience opens the door to miracles. How many times did a miracle come when they followed a word from the Lord? Pick up your mat and walk. A man who could never walk before followed the instruction, picked up his mat and walked. He was healed. Miracles occur through obedience. Amen? Obedience turns your situations or circumstances around. Perhaps you have found yourself that you're in a rut and you don't know how to get out. Well, guess what? God has all the instructions to get you out. If we just listen. Amen? God will get you out of any situation. Right? Or he'll join you in the fire if necessary. Amen? God knows how to get me out. God knows how to get you out. Obedience is our response to God's, it's our positive response to God's instruction. Why do you think God gave us a book? Because he knew that you were going to have a test. But every test you face is an open book test. I always appreciated the teachers who gave me open book tests. Because I'm guaranteed to find the answer if I look. Right? You're guaranteed to find an answer of everything you face in life. All you got to do is look and listen. And then finally, obedience qualifies you for blessing. Okay? So we're going to get into this. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher of the, of the uh, first um, uh, awake, great awakening, he said this, resolution one, I will live for God. Revolution two, if no one else does, I still will. That's good. You know, sometimes you're going to find that not everybody's with you in serving God. Amen? So what does it mean to obey? You know what I found interesting? The Hebrew word and the Greek word for obey, it means to hear. It is the same word for hearing. Are you listening? The word obey means to hear intelligently. How many intelligent people are here this morning? Hopefully every hand should go up. Right? You are an intelligent person. And to, to obey means to hear intelligently. How do I know that the message is being communicated? Because you're doing what the message says. If you're not doing what the message says, then maybe the message wasn't communicated clearly. But if, if it was communicated clearly and you know what it says, then you should do what it says. Amen? After all, God wants us to be what of the word? Doers, not just hearers only. Okay? So doing is the next level to hearing. To obey means to give ear. Say, God, here's my ear. You know, we got to give God our... The Bible says to pay attention to my word. We got to give God's word attention. To obey means to act in accord with what is commanded by an authority. 
To obey means that you pay attention to a superior. And obedience is the proper response of good hearing. Not like the one guy who came to church and said, Pastor, will you pray for my hearing? And the pastor said, oh, sure. And the pastor laid his hands on his ears and he prayed a diligent prayer. And then at the end of the prayer, the pastor said, how's your hearing now? And the guy said, well, I don't know. My hearing's not till next week. (laughs) What hearing are you talking about? Let's get on the same page. Amen. When someone obeys, the hearer who responds to the expressed will of another is in some relationship with him or her. So our obedience is because we have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, right? And he said, my sheep what? Hear Hear what? My voice. Did you know that God's kingdom is voice activated? Before they ever had the internet, before there was ever Wi-Fi, God was way ahead technologically. He was voice activated. Right? God said, let there be light. There was light. Before there there was ever an Alexis or a Siri. And you know, the Bible tells us, children obey your parents, employers, employees obey your employers, citizens obey your government as long as it agrees with God, right? Okay? And obedience takes faith, right? It takes faith to obey. A.W. Tozer said this, faith, as Paul saw it, was a living, flaming thing leading to surrender and obedience to the commandments of Christ. We're supposed to obey God's commands. He expects us to obey God's God, doesn't he? I've never read where someone disobeyed God and God said, oh, honey child, that's okay. No. He, God is not happy when we don't do what he says. All right? So, we're going to talk about, this morning I'm going to talk to you about someone who disobeyed God. We're going to get the disobedience out of the way today, all right? Today's trash day, so we're going to take out the trash of disobedience. And I want to talk to you about the very first king of Israel. His name was Saul. Okay, I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to be camping in 1 Samuel today. So um, we're going to operate there and, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to see how there were several instances that caused Saul to disobey God, and we're going to see the, the reasons why he disobeyed God so that you can avoid it. You know, if you, if, you know that, if you know that there's a trap in your way, wouldn't it be good to avoid it? Yes. If you knew that there was a pit with spikes in the bottom, wouldn't it be good to avoid it? Yes. 
Amen. You know, the Bible was written. These are not just stories. These are examples that were written for us so that we could learn what to do and what not to do. You know, it, it's, it's just as important to learn what not to do as it is what to do. Right. How many know it's much easier to learn from someone else's mistake than to make that same mistake yourself? Right. Hey, if you made that mistake, then I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to learn from it. Do you have your ears on today? I like when, C, when CB radios were popular. You got your ears on, good buddy? Right? They'd get up there. You got your ears on. Are you listening? You know, we got to be listening naturally and spiritually. Because while I'm talking, the Holy Ghost is going to talk to you. He's going to show you things that may not come out of my mouth. Because... I and the Holy Spirit are working together. He's my helper. He's my advocate. He's my strengthener. He's my standby. I'm not doing this alone. Neither, you're not listening alone either. Okay? So, 1 Samuel chapter 12. I want you to look at verse, uh, oh no, we, we better, um, look at verse 12. 1 Samuel 12, 12. It says, when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. What caused the people to want a king? It was worldly pressure. Was it God's will for Israel to have a king? No, God wanted to be their king. It was a theocracy, not a democracy. God showed them that as king, he was able to deliver them from oppressors. Right? He was able to defeat enemies before them. He was able to provide for them. He did more than what a king could do. It was never God's will for Israel to have a king. But they whined. Ah, we want a king. We got to have a king. Ah, we want to be like other nations. We want a king. And how many know parents? Sometimes you just do things to stop the whining. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just want the whining to stop. And it may not be your best idea, but you're going to give it anyway so that the whining stops. That's what God did. He gave him a king. Because the people would not give it up. Anyway, there was pressure. See, the devil uses pressure. Actually, the devil uses fear, intimidation, and pressure. And those things come as suggestions to you. And that's how he keeps you in bondage. Because you respond to the intimidation, the fear, or the pressure. And when you're responding to the wrong pressure, you're going to make the wrong decision. Verse, go down to verse 19. And the people said unto Samuel... 
Pray for us, pray for your servants unto the Lord your God, that we die not, for we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask a king. They even realized that it was evil. Say it was evil. Is our God evil? No, our God is good. Okay? So they were participating with a request that that was not God's will, that was not God's best. And they wanted a king and they recognized that it was evil. Anything that God doesn't want is evil. Anything that God doesn't like is evil. Right? What's a bad report? Evil. An evil Bible says a bad report about what God wanted to do was evil. Okay? All right. But look at verse 14. He says, if you will fear the Lord and serve him, and and what's those next three words? Everybody say, obey his voice. Say, obey his voice. That means you listen to what he says and you do what he says. Okay? He said, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then you shall both, you and the king that reigns over you, continually following the Lord your God. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? Even though they wanted a king and God picked Saul to be their king, he said, if you follow me and if you obey me and take heed to my commandments, then it'll be well with you. There is a, God will, uh, if you follow God and do what's right, you know, he'll make up for our mistakes. That's what mercy does, isn't it? How, how often is his mercies new? This morning when you woke up, out of the oven came some fresh mercy. You need some mercy today, amen? His mercy's new every morning. Woo, I woke up this morning. What does that smell? Oh, it's fresh mercy. Woo, it smells good. So, but look at verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, and rebel against his commandment, then shall the hand of the Lord be what? Against you, as it was against your fathers. That tells me that God is against disobedience. God does not favor disobedience. He is not for disobedience. He does not promote disobedience. Amen? Okay. So, but... If you have disobeyed God, you have an opportunity to repent. Repent is a U-turn, right? You realize you've been going the wrong way. God has provided U-turns in the journey of life. Recalculating. Turn around. All right? Now, Saul was given a test, but he didn't know it was a test. He was given a test to see whether or not he would obey the word of the Lord in his new position. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. You know, there was a series of events that caused Saul to become king. First, his father lost the donkeys, right? 
and he was looking for the donkeys. He encountered the prophet. The prophet said, You're gonna, this is going to happen. This is going to happen, right? And uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse, um, verse 8, okay? Samuel is giving an instruction. How important are instructions? They can either save your life or hurt your life. Okay? Say instructions from God are important. Okay, verse 8. He said, and you shall go down before me to Gilgal. And behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shall you wait or tarry. Okay? Till I come to you and show you what you shall do. Is that instruction clear? Okay? Go down to Gilgal. Wait for how long? Until who shows up? Samuel. Who's going to do the offering? Samuel. Right? So the instruction is to go to a place and wait. What happens when you wait on the Lord? You renew your strength. Okay? You know, the other day, I learned a lesson. And uh, we were leaving Palmyra, and the train was there. (laughs) And um, I was a little impatient. I was. And so uh, I said, well, go around it. And so Fiona was driving. So she went around it, but guess what? By the time we got around it, the people had already been released. And she said, if I had just wait, some things are good to wait. I said, yes, yes. I learned a lesson. Do you know, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Isn't patience a fruit of the Spirit? So if the devil can get you impatient, he's getting you into bad fruit. Did you know that patience, if you have patience, the devil has no patience. And if you operate in patience, you'll win. Because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. That's what circumstances that you can't control, like a train. But thank God I'm learning. Amen? So this was a clear instruction. All right, now let's go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13. Okay? 1 Samuel chapter 13. So, um, let's go to verse 5. 1 Samuel 13, 5. And the Philistines gathered themselves to fight with Israel. 30, 000, you know, the enemy is going to gather to fight against you. Okay? But if you listen to the strategies of God, you'll win every fight. You ain't got to worry about your enemy or how many, how big he looks or how bad he looks or even how bad he smells. You got God on your side. If God before you, who can be against you? No one. 
nothing. Amen? Amen. So the Philistines were gathering with their chariots and their horsemen as the people, uh, as the sand which is on the seashore. So there's a, a big group, a large group. He's trying to intimidate. You know, the devil's just like a blowfish. He can only puff himself up to make him look bad, but he's, all, he's not all that bad if you're in Christ. Right? You can pop. I mean, he's, he's a blowfish, but he's a marshmallow when you know Jesus. Right? Okay? Verse 6. This is important. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait or a critical situation, for the people were distressed, amplified, or King James says, then the people did hide themselves in caves, thickets, rocks, and high places and pits. They were intimidated by what they saw. Sounds to me like they were in lockdown. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. So he was, he's where he's supposed to be. Verse 8. And he tarried there seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal. Uh-oh. I waited seven days and... I waited five minutes and I didn't get my hamburger. Right? And the people were scattered from him. Uh Uh-oh. The people are leaving. It's not going to look good for this newly appointed king who can't control the people. I'm where where God told me to be. I've waited seven days. But is is the seventh day over yet? If God says wait, what do you do? You wait until he says next. Right? I like what Moses said. God says, I'm going to move. And Moses said, if the glory doesn't move, I'm not going. I'm going to follow the glory. I'm going to follow the glory of God. Amen? He was determined to follow God's voice. He wasn't going to make a move until God moved. Okay? Verse 9. And Saul said, bring here a burnt offering to me. Uh Uh-oh. Who was supposed to do the offering? Samuel. He's on a a bad path. He's on a path of disobeying. Okay? And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. If you ever watch Get Smart, he missed it by that much. Maybe it was an hour, maybe it was two hours, but the pressure was too much for Saul to take. The pressure put him into disobedience. By what he saw and what he was feeling on the inside. Pressure. And Samuel, uh, Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him or greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Did you know that your sin will find you out? 
You could sin and think you're going to get away with it, and your sin is going to find you out. All right? And Saul is like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, he's acting like he obeyed God. He's acting like he did what God said. See, that's the problem with disobedience. Disobedience deceives you. What have you done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered, I saw that the fruit was good for food. And it would make you wise. So I ate it. And gave it to my husband who was right there. And that you came now within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered themselves at Michmash. Can you see the pressure? People were leaving, Philistines gathering, Samuel's not here. That's no excuse to disobey God. Saul has just put his circumstances above the will of God. He has put what it looks like and what it feels like above God's word. Okay? Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered birth. He did not force himself. He gave the commands and bring it to me. How dare he? I forced myself. Oh, oh, Samuel, I, just, I tried not to sacrifice, but it was just too much for me. I forced myself. To, he did not force himself to do it. He made a decision to do it. Bring, bring the offering to me. Does that sound like he's being forced? He's the king. Who's going to force him? I forced myself. Liar, liar, pants on fire. See, disobedience will cause you to misrepresent the truth. Disobedience comes from the devil. He was the first one to disobey God. He committed the first sin. It wasn't Adam. It was the devil in heaven who tried to exalt himself against God. That was the first sin. Ooh, there's some stuff coming out here today. Okay? Verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. (laughs) If Samuel had some rhythm, he'd say, you fool. (laughs) I'll never forget, um, I was in a meeting in Illinois years ago before I was ever married, and Meadowlark Lemon, he he played for the Harlem Globetrotters, He was there speaking, sharing his testimony, you know, and uh, he was telling about how he got saved. And uh, when he got saved and when he met Jesus, he was willing to give up his basketball. You know, he he put it aside and God, this is how Meadowlark Lemon said God spoke to him. God said, fool, I gave that to you and I want you to use it for me. (laughs) How many know God will speak to you as he knows you? Right? Hallelujah. So you've acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. Why? Because of pressure, intimidation, fear. 
which he commanded you. For now would the Lord have established your kingdom apart. Saul's kingdom could have been the one that was established forever. But because of this disobedience, God picked another named David. Look at verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Well, if I'd have known that, I'd have obeyed. You should have obeyed because God gave you the word. See, God wants you to trust his word above anything else. His word is greater than your feeling. His his word is greater than an opinion. His word is greater than your circumstance. We've got to be people who take God at his word. We've got to be able to trust him. Amen. Your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. Because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. Wow. That's pretty strong. That's pretty severe, isn't it? But that is the price of disobedience. When you disobey God, you have no idea what you've lost. You have no idea it'll cost you more than you are willing to spend. Disobedience. Okay? So, let's go to 1 Samuel. Well, let me say this. In Acts chapter 5... Verse 25, you don't have to turn there, but if you want to put it on the screen. um, The disciples were put in prison. Actually, Peter was put in prison. And God sent an angel there at night, and the angel woke him up and said, Go into the temple court and preach this good news. Right? So Peter, excuse me, he was awakened, right? And what did he do? He went into the temple court and he preached the gospel. What's that? He's obeying God. He's obeying the word from the angel, right? It was the angel of the Lord. Okay? And when they went to get him the next day, they found the door closed, the guard standing there, but no one inside. I'm telling you, God will know, he knows how to get you out of a jail when no one else is knowing. The devil didn't even know what was happening. Glory to God. They went to an empty cell and they said, hey, he's preaching in the temple court. Right? And then they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They said, we commanded you not to preach in that name. And Peter said, we're going to obey God, not man. Come on. Can we get some Christian with some gumption? With some intestinal fortitude that's not going to submit to the pressure of this world. I'm telling you, this world is putting some pressure on people. This world is trying to tell you how to live and what to do and what your kids should do. And we've got to fight back. We've got to rise up and not succumb to that pressure. We've got to apply our own pressure called obedience to God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Saul wasn't even called to offer it. So, not only was he not called to be a priest, he was called called to be a king. Kings need to be kings and priests need to be priests, unless God made you a king and a priest. You You know who got to do priestly things? David. He was a king, but he wore an ephod. An ephod was the garment of the priest. He got to be the king and the priest. Why? Because he obeyed God. Yeah. 
Guess what? We, we get to be both. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. And do you realize under Saul's reign, there was constant warfare? He was at war with the Philistines his whole entire reign. Do you think that might have changed had he obeyed God? All right, let's go to 1 Samuel 15. This is where we're going to end up today. 1 Samuel 15. Okay? Starting with verse 1. All right? Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken unto the what? The voice of the Lord, of the words of the Lord. Everybody say, listen to the voice. You've got to know God's voice. And you've got to listen to it. You've got to do it exactly as he says it. Okay? Thus says the Lord of hosts. That's the God of battle. The Lord Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. The head of the angelic forces. Amen? I remember that Amalek, what Amalek did to Israel and how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Do you remember Amalek was the first person to attack Israel when they left Egypt? Okay? They sowed some seed that wasn't good. Now go and smite Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have, spare them not, Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Is that instruction clear? Okay. Now, whether it's harsh or not, it doesn't matter. Amalek sowed his seed, and the Lord is responding to his seed sown. How many know you get what you sow? Okay. This is the word of the Lord. We're not to reason with it. We're simply to do it. Saul was simply to do it. He was, this was his mission. This was his command. This was his assignment. Given by the voice of God, by the Lord of hosts. Okay? This wasn't coming from Samuel, right? This was coming from God himself. Okay? So, verse 4, Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah, okay? He's making good progress, right? He's gathering troops together. He's about to wipe out an enemy, okay? And and Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. He was showing them mercy, right? Because they showed him kindness, okay? And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until you come to Shur, that is opposite Egypt. And he took Agag. Oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was he supposed to do that? In the midst of a battle, he decided to add to God's command. He decided to go against God's command, God's word. 
Listen, God's word is so good, we don't need to add anything to it or take away anything from it. We just need to do it as it is. God said what he meant and he meant what he said. Amen? You know, God says things on purpose. He puts order in things on purpose. God knows what he's talking about. God is smarter than us. Amen? That's what puts, that's why he's Lord. Aren't you glad that none of us are Lord? Because things would be a lot different. Right? I'm glad that God is Lord and not me. But I'm supposed to respond to him as Lord. That means I respect, reverence, and honor what he says, and I do it. I have a listening ear that hears what he says and does it. And that's how God wants every believer. Everything that he said in his word, he wants us to do. Everything he says to us vocally, he wants us to do. You know, there are some things that he will speak to you directly. I didn't read in the Bible, Doug, go to Palmyra, but I heard his voice. I heard God's voice when he said, go to Tulsa and attend Ramah. So I went and did it. I heard a voice when he says, Mary, Fiona. It took me a little while to figure it out. But thank God I did. Because she has made the difference in my life. She's prepared me for you. I've lost a lot of uptightness. But that's a good thing. Amen? So, he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. That's partial obedience, which is disobedience. Well, you know, people like to pick and choose what they want to obey from God. (laughs) I like this. I like that. I don't like this. It's just not a smorgasbord. You can't pick and choose what command of God that you want to follow because you like it or don't like it. How would you like to be Hagar? Who's Hagar? That was Abraham's second wife. Whom Sarah gave to him so that they could help God out having a kid. You know, God doesn't need our help. He needs our, he needs our obedience. He needs our faith. He needs our trust. Right? And, and Hagar got pregnant, and she gave birth to Ishmael, and she was mocking Sarah. So Sarah kicked her out because Sarah was angry and ticked off, right? She's like, I got pregnant. You can. Whatever she was saying, I don't know. And, and, and so she left. And guess what? God said, you got to go back. I don't want to hear that, God. I rebuke you, devil. But God told Hagar to go back. And she did, because that's where Ishmael learned how to pray. See, you don't know what you're going to lose if you disobey. The only way that you're going to find out what you get is if you obey. You've got to carry out the command. Okay? Verse 9. Saul and the people. Uh Uh-oh. Anybody ever had peer pressure from a person? Right? Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good. 
and would not utterly destroy them. Notice, would not. Would not utterly destroy them like he was told. Why? Lust, greed, and covetousness. It's the same thing that happened to Achan. When they were in Jericho, God said, don't touch any of the metals of Jericho, the gold, the silver, the iron, the bronze. It belongs in the treasury. Don't take it. Don't touch it. Don't mess with it. It's just like the tree in the garden. And Achan, the Bible says, because of covetousness, he took some clothes, he took a big bar of gold, he took some silver, and he hid it in his tent. And what happened? God said there's sin in the camp. His action caused them to lose a battle at Ai the first time. Disobedience will also hurt those around you. And what happened to Achan? (laughs) Everything that he owned plus all the people of his family got burned by fire. Anyway. Saul was keeping all that was good. You think that that was for God or for himself? Oh, that was for himself. Okay? But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed. Oh, we're going to destroy the bad stuff and we're going to keep the good stuff. Who made you judge? God said destroy it all. Now he's acting as judge. Disobedience will mess you up. It'll destroy you. Amen? Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, verse 10, verse 11, It repents me, or I regret, that I have set up Saul to be king. He he missed the first test by not waiting and doing the offering. And the second test, he didn't do everything that God said. He is disqualifying himself from his position, from the anointing. Now, he lost the anointing, but he still had the position. What happened to Saul? We know the story. What happened to Saul when he lost the anointing? He was tormented by what? An evil spirit. Why? Evil spirits love disobedience. It attracts them. Like a light attracts flies. Okay? He has turned his back from following me. Why? Because he disobeyed an order, a command. Everybody say a command. We have got to value every word from God as a command. God didn't give us the ten suggestions. If you feel like it, don't murder. If you feel like it, don't steal. Hey, if you feel like it, keep the Sabbath holy. Didn't say that. Those are ten commandments, not ten suggestions. God doesn't give us a top ten suggestion list. Everything that God says is a command. Why? Jesus is our commander in chief. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the king of who? So every king submits to this king, Jesus. He's at at the top. His name is above every name. Amen? Okay? Okay. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried all night. Your disobedience will produce grief. People never know 
how it affects a pastor when people leave in an unbiblical or ungodly way. It, it's grieving. When you know that they're supposed to be here and for whatever reason that they, they give, usually, you know, sometimes you, you don't know. Yeah. It grieves me. It grieves me to see people miss God. That's another. So Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. This is verse 12. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on. He set up a monument. The Amplified says he set up a monument to praise his obedience. Do you remember when Moses was on the mountain on Mount Sinai? And God had given him the Ten Commandments, and he came down, and, and he met Joshua, who was halfway, and he said, I hear the, Joshua said, I hear the sound of war. And Moses said, no, no, it's not the sound of war, it's the sound of singing. They were singing and dancing to a golden calf. They were celebrating idolatry. They were praising idolatry. Aaron said, I just took your gold and threw it into this gold, and out came a calf. But yet the Bible says he formed and fashioned it into a calf. See, when you disobey, you become a liar. You can't tell the truth. Why? Because you rejected the truth. To disobey God is to reject the truth. It's to say that I'm smarter than God. Moses tried that at the burning bush. I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to send you to deliver. Ah, God, I can't speak. Well, I'll give you your brother, Aaron. I'm not eloquent. I made the mouth. Who should I say that sent me? Say him, I, tell him I, I am that I am. How many excuses did Moses give for not wanting to obey God's word? Several. Was God happy? No, God got angry. The more you say why you can't do what God says, you're calling God a liar. And God cannot lie. He is not a man that he should lie. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. So when you disobey God, you're calling God a liar. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. So he went up to Carmel. Verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Hallelujah. I have done what God said. He is lying. And the evidence points it out. It is amazing to me. I have seen it over the years. When people disobey God, they act like they should qualify for the blessing. It doesn't work. God will not ever bless disobedience. He never has and he never will. He doesn't change. Did he bless Adam? Adam, I bless you for eating that fruit. Did he bless Peter for not making him to Jesus when he walked on the water? Oh, Peter, you made it so far. No, he said, why did you doubt, oh, ye of little faith? There wasn't a, a praise. It was a rebuke, a correction. 
God celebrates obedience. Amen? Oh, I have, I have done the will of the Lord. He has not. And Christians are just like this. They disobey. They, you know, and, and they can just claim the blessings of God. You can't. It doesn't work. Let's read on. And Samuel, <laughs> you know, his response to Saul said, I, I did what God said. Samuel said, what means the bleeding of sheep then? Because Samuel was the one who gave him the order. Kill every sheep, kill everything, kill every person, right? And the lowing of oxen which I hear. And Saul said, verse 15, they, who's they? The people. Who's king? The people aren't king. Now he said they. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Oh, I'm, it, it, it would be like me saying, I'm going to go rob a bank so I can give God an offering. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say that. Your church is not a toll booth. You can't just put part of the, you can't just obey one little thing and neglect everything else. You got to obey everything. Come on, someone say amen. That's, you can say amen or on me. That's true anyway. If there's any disobedience in our lives, you're giving place to the enemy. And the enemy will perpetuate the curse. He will continue to steal, kill, and destroy in areas of your life as long as he has a place. And God will be hindered from blessing as long as the enemy has a place in that area. I know this is tough, but you guys are, you guys are strong. You can handle your spiritual broccoli. So they brought them. To sacrifice, they, I'm telling you, when they kept the best up, sacrificing to God was not on their minds. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to disobey God so that I can obey God. No. <laughs> oh my goodness. And then Samuel said unto Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said. <laughs> you know, someone's got to speak the truth. Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight... Were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? You realize when they went to anoint King uh, Saul for, to be king, he was hiding. And they said, where's Saul? He says he's among the stuff, right? The Holy Spirit revealed that he was hiding. because He, he was the tallest person. He was head and shoulders of everybody. Poor King Saul, he had dandruff. He had head and shoulders. <laughs> so when he was anointed, he had, he had a lowly mindset of himself. Okay, but somehow when he got into this position, it went to his head. And the Lord anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a journey and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore, 
Then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? They were attracted to the spoil. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. Are you kidding me? He is arguing with Samuel that he is obeying God when the evidence is clear that he's not. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. That's not true, because Agag is the king. Guess what? If you don't destroy one Amalekite, they can reproduce. Oh, get this. Do you know who um, came against Mordecai in the book of Esther? A descendant of Agag. It was Haman the Agagite. Read it. Haman was an Agagite. What does that mean? He was a descendant of Agag. Now Samuel took care of business. He said, because you made women childless, your your mother's going to experience the same thing. So the Amalekites must have killed women who were pregnant. Abortion. They were motivated, motivated by the spirit of Molech which sacrificed children. Okay? So Samuel, verse 22, and and Saul said, but the people took of the spoil, but you're king, dude. Everybody say, he's king. Who's in charge of a nation when there's a kingdom? King. So the people can't just do whatever they want. They got to do what the king says. So they must have had the king's approval. But he's trying to make himself look like he's spotless. All right. Verse 22. I'm almost done. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Which is which is greater in God's eyes? You giving a big offering or you obeying his voice? That your obedience trumps everything. It doesn't matter what what kind of sacrifice you make or what kind of thing you offer to God. If you're not obeying him in your life, if you're not obeying him in every area of your life, it's just not going to matter. Partial obedience is disobedience. We, We have got to be quick to obey, right? Did Samuel have a hearing problem? Was the message from Samuel muffled? Did he understood what Samuel meant? It was clearly communicated. It was understood. The problem was in carrying it out. He did not do what God said. And as a result, he lost greatly. Okay? So notice what Samuel says. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the lamb. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Disobedience is like rebellion and witchcraft. It's right there. Sin is sin anyway, but if you want to think in terms of of sin, witchcraft and and rebellion, that's pretty bad. Disobedience is just like that. And, uh, And stubbornness, stubbornness is you wanting your way above God's way. Did Jesus do his own agenda? 
Jesus didn't wake up one day and, you know what, I think I'm just going to go down to earth and, and offer myself and save the people. No, it was under direct command of God. He said, I do what my father says. I say what my father says. What I hear, I say. What I see, I do. He never did anything apart from the father. He showed us that. One of these Sundays, we're going to get into the obedience of Jesus. So you don't want to miss that one. This will clean your ears out from this one. (laughs) Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Does that mean he stopped being king? No, he had no anointing to be king anymore. He lost the anointing. And we know that because the Bible says that Saul was tormented by a demonic spirit. See, when you, when you don't have the anointing, what's gonna, something's going to fill the gap, right? The, the anointing is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. The devil is the yoke-bringing, burden-piling-on power of the enemy. So, verse 24 Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now the truth comes out. I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Peer pressure was greater than spirit pressure. Worldly pressure was greater than holy pressure. By the way, God doesn't pressure you. God doesn't push you. God leads you. There's a difference. The enemy will drive you. He will push you to your extreme. He'll get you caught up into so many things that you're too busy to serve God. You're too busy to obey God. You're too busy to do what God wants you to do. Because he's a driver. He's a, he's a slave master. But the Holy Spirit, he leads you. He says, come with me. He offers you the choice. The Holy Spirit doesn't make anybody get saved. If he would, we'd all be in heaven now. He gives people the choice. That's what love does. Love allows people to choose whether right or wrong. You know, he's saying that he sinned, but he doesn't repent. You know what? Saul was sorry he got caught. He wasn't sorry that he transgressed against God. When you look at Joseph, Potiphar's wife, she's after him. She's pressuring him. He said, how can I commit this sin against God? He was God conscious. Saul was Saul conscious. Verse 25. Now, therefore, I pray, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. It's all about Saul. He thinks that out of his disobedient heart, he's all of a sudden, he's, gonna, he's been disobeying Monday through Friday, and he comes in on Sunday ready to worship God. <laughs> now, I know that no one here does that. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. This is the second time he's saying this. And you have 
And the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And then Samuel's turning away, right? And as he turns, Saul grabs his cloak and his cloak tears. And Samuel said, just like that, God's going to tear the kingdom from you. I don't know if Saul ever repented of this. Whereas when David was confronted, David sinned, right? But when he was confronted with the sin, what, what did he do? He repented. He went before God. He realized that he wronged God. See, repentance is the thing that God gave us to turn our mistakes around. Amen. I am so grateful for repentance. I do it a lot. Because sometimes I say something I didn't want to say. I do something I didn't want to do. You know, every one of us will have a, a fit of carnality every once in a while. Where the flesh man rises up and you respond or act or speak out of the flesh. We all do it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Every one of us have done it. That's what, why do you think God put repentance in this plan? Why do you think that the first message that Peter, uh, John the Baptist, and Jesus preached was Repentance. We need to repent. That means turn around, acknowledge your sin, and move on. Don't, repentance gets you unstuck from the pit. Repentance brings you out of the jail cell. Repentance breaks the chain that was holding you down. Saul did not repent. Hallelujah. He, he rejoiced in his disobedience. Let me just read this scripture from Isaiah 5.20. Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good. Are we seeing that in our nation today? There's a woe coming. You know, when God says woe, he's not speaking to a horse to stop. He's like, judgment's coming. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They're mixed up, messed up. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever and shrewd in their own sight. Romans 1 calls that reprobate. Unable to discern between what's right and wrong. So what are we going to do? We have got to determine and decide today that we're going to obey God. Amen? How many people are going to obey God? How many people here today are going to obey God? If you're going to obey God, I want you to stand to your feet. Amen? We're going to determine today that we're going to obey God. Well, what if I didn't? Then repent. Amen? Step one. If you're not born again, today would be a good opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. Amen? If you are born again and you miss the mark, it'd be a good day to make a U-turn. Amen? And if you need power to live for Jesus, he'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God's given us everything that we need, but we got to take him at his word. His word is the absolute truth. 
His word is forever settled in heaven. He doesn't have to change it. You know, God doesn't need to be edited. I wish I was like that way. I write a book and I need some editing. I know what I want to say, but not grammatically correct. But, you know, Miss Lisa, we were going to, Rayma had this thing. I got to tell you about it. Um, But they ran out. But it was a little thing on your desk and it said, while you're talking, I'm quietly uh, correcting your grammar. I'm silently correcting your grammar. No, we appreciate Miss Lisa's editing ability. She's awesome, and it helps us. Amen. And because uh, I'm working on another book, getting ready for October. But you know what? Today is an opportunity to improve. Disobedience will destroy you, but obedience will bless you. How many would rather be blessed? Amen. So let's make a commitment today that we're going to obey God no matter what he says. Amen. No matter what the instruction is. Right? Because God's instruction aren't going to make sense to your logic. Give me five fish and two two pieces of bread and I'll feed thousands of people. That's not logical, but that's kingdom. Amen? So if you're here today and you know that you haven't obeyed God, I'm not going to invite you to come up, but I want you to make a decision in your heart today that you're going to change. You're going to ask God to repent. You're going to ask God for forgiveness for not doing what he says in the little things. You know, Saul... He, he, he didn't wait and he, he performed an offering, but it grew worse. And so if you're here this morning, just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace and for this opportunity that I have to hear your word and to act on it. I'm a doer of your word. I honor your word. Your word is precious to me. It's dear to me. I value it. I will commit to do it because I love you. And I know that you love me. Father, forgive me for every time I disobeyed you. When I didn't follow your instruction. When I didn't heed your word, I'm changing right now. I'm an obedient believer. I'm a follower of Jesus for the rest of my days. And just begin to praise him now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name. And... You don't want to miss the messages coming up about this. It's going to get better. This was the hardest one. Hallelujah. How many love Jesus? Amen. He's the source of joy. He's the source of goodness. And you know what? When he corrects, he's gentle. He's loving. Right? I mean, think about it. His closest follower Peter denied him three times, but when they met together afterwards, Jesus never brought it up. He just asked him, do you love me? 
Do you love me? Yeah, do you love me? Okay, then go feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my people. Amen? Our God's a gentleman. I'm, I'm not saying this to condemn you, but guess what? There's some obedience that needs to be rooted out. There's some disobedience that needs to be rooted out. And we need to plant some obedience seeds. Amen? Because I'm looking for an obedient harvest. Hallelujah. It's springing forward. Our young people, our older people, amen? The people of East. Listen, if we want to take this city, we've got to be obedient. God's brought you here to this church to hear the word of God, to experience the move of the Holy Spirit, not so that we can be big and all that, so that we can take our city, so that we can help the lost, so that we can heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes. That's why we do what we do. There are people out in our region that don't know that they're heirs with Jesus. They don't know that they have an inheritance. They don't know these things. But guess what? You and I can tell them. We can show them. We can help them. We can bring them here. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what the church is about. We're here to do the will of God until he comes again. Amen? Hallelujah. I think we got some doers of the will here today. We got some doers of the will. Amen? You, you've removed the dis and you left the O. Right? We're dropping the dis and we're keeping the O. We're dropping the disobedience and we're keeping the obedience. Right? Amen? Hallelujah. Is there anybody here you need healing in your body? Your body's got pain, sickness, infirmity. You know, I was thinking about this today. Some of our people have had COVID, but there's 100% recovery. Everybody say 100% recovery. We have that. That's a fact. Everyone that I know of who's part of this church that had it, 100% recovery. Father, we give you glory to God. Hallelujah. Though the devil tries, he will not succeed. Amen. He cannot steal, kill, or destroy because we are not ignorant of his devices. And, Lord, we give you praise for your protection, for your restoration, for your health. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, I, I, don't, I don't have any other thing. Amen? I think I fulfilled my assignment for today. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, bring you peace, and bless you indeed. Amen? As you go, have a great and wonderful day and a good week. We'll see you on Wednesday.